hello, everyone. We are back with our season 12 opener of Trashy Breakups. Hey, friends, we missed you so much. Welcome to season 12. I'm Alicia. My name is Stacy. We have something very special today. Lawyers! <laughs> it's not typically the reaction, but we really like these two. <laughs> yes. Uh, so we have partnered with Legally Judgy to take a look back at some of the more fascinating figures that we talked about last season and which they had talked about in their first season. They're rolling out season two, I believe, this week. We think you're going to love Alexa and Nicole just as much as we do. They're judgy. They're trashy. We talk about it all. Mm-hmm. Plenty of tea, a lot of receipts, a little bit of speculation. And a hypothetical, too. <laughs> so let's kick off season 12. Again, big thanks to Legally Judgy. Big thanks to you for coming and listening we will resume with regular Trashy Breakups beginning next Wednesday. Don't forget you'll have your regular Season 12 premiere of Trashy Divorces 2 this Sunday. And we'll see you soon. Hope you enjoy. So we are super excited to be joined by the legally judgy team, Alexa and Nicole, who will be filling us in on some of the most interesting and infuriating characters that we've talked about in recent memory, as have they. Trashy Divorces has a limited lens on some things, and we are always so curious about the legal aspects. We have found a partner podcast <laughs> for us. Hey, y'all, thanks for coming on to Trashy Divorces. Hi. Hey, guys, we're so excited to be here. Thanks Introduce for having you. us. Oh, you're so welcome. Introduce yourselves and tell everybody about Legally Judgy. Yeah, happy to. So I'm Alexa. And I'm Nicole. And we are the hosts of Legally Judgy, where we bring you the judgiest, juiciest legal topics in pop culture. Yeah, Which we love we, we love, love getting into celebrities' lives and hearing about their lawsuits and their fail-ins and how much money they owe. So, you know, we love the, we love the receipts. You know, there's there's never enough to know about celebrities, whether it's their pockets or lack thereof, or their many lawsuits. Attorneys do tend to like the receipts I have found. <laughs> yes. We yeah. love evidence. Our spouses love it too, as yeah. you can imagine. Makes uh, arguing very fun. So y'all are about to start your second season. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So we took a little bit of a summer break after a really good six months for season one. We said we're starting our season two, starting recording today. So we're going live this coming week. Fantastic. Excellent. Congratulations. And I just heard that means y'all have a lot of episodes for our <laughs> trash pandas to listen to you. <laughs> we do. How, how can people find your podcast? We're on all major podcast platforms. So we got Apple, Spotify, Google, uh, Pandora, iHeartRadio. I mean, anywhere <laughs> you want to hear us, we will make sure we're available. <laughs> yeah, just call us. And up. if there's a platform we're not on that you want us to be on, we'll make it happen yesterday. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Now that all the trashy niceties are out of the way, <laughs> let's get into the dirt. Let's Absolutely. do it. Love it. Let's get judgy. So I know you covered Taylor Swift and Scooter Braun and the battle over the masters of several of her albums. Mm -hmm. I wonder if you could talk about like, what is going on with that? Does Scooter Braun not own the rights? Because now Taylor is re-recording everything. She's not licensing that music, is she? Help us understand. Yeah, so you know, it's actually, it's a really long, complicated chain. I'm going to try and break it down as easily as I can. 
So, you know, Taylor originally was under a 13-year contract with her initial label, Big Machine Records. And so under that agreement, as is common for especially like really junior artists, she agreed to give that label rights to all of the masters of her songs for her first six albums. And they own that in perpetuity, which we always tell our friends means forever, ever, ever, ever. And so again, it's super common. So, you know, later she tries, they try to renew this agreement to basically extend it. She refuses because they wouldn't let her take back ownership of those first six albums. And they basically say instead that for each new one that she makes, she can get ownership of an old one back. She's not into this, of course. You know, she can be a bit dramatic from time to time. Uh, oh, hey, so now that just sounds weird. That, yeah, just sound, <laughs> that sounds like a crap deal on my end. For, a, yeah, it's ahead. not, un, you know, it's not untrue. And so what we have found is that this might be changing for newer artists, but historically, right, record labels want to own as much as they can. Surprise, surprise. So especially like Nicole said, for up and coming artists, they'll often say, all right, we own all of the rights. And now I think there's a push that Nicole and I have been seeing for artists, one, just to become aware of what this means, right? So a lot of young artists don't understand what the impact of that is. And I feel like you're publishing. Right. And, 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 you know, that's where we come in, where we say, you know, I know that lawyers can be expensive, but it might be worth trying to get together some money to hire one, to look over a contract, to explain to you what that term means, right? Because you hear masters and you're thinking, well, what does that mean? A lot of people don't understand, but that means basically you own the right to sell the music, distribute it, or just keep it. At least the original recording. And so again, to Alexa's point, the practicality, right, is that labels have been doing this for so long because they paid for the marketing and the recording and the touring and a million other things. So they thought that it was a fair trade-off, but to your point, it's not, it's a shit deal. Um, pardon my French. And so, you know, no, Taylor you was can trying cuss to here all you want. We I was gonna say, can we do that here? Cause we do that on our place in our place. So that's fantastic. This is going to go swell. We, yeah. are fl- we are fluent French speakers. As <laughs> oh. all I knew pandas, we were going to get along. All of the pandas can tell you. <laughs> Love it. So, so basically she ends up leaving that label. She goes to Republic records where they're basically willing to give her equity and control of her new music. In the interim, as most people know, she's kind of feuding with Scooter Braun, right? And she's got this beef with him because of Kanye and Kanye being one of Scooter's artists, as well as him working with Justin Bieber and Justin kind of taunting Taylor via uh, social media with Scooter. So it's a longstanding feud. But, you know, Scooter kind of continues to hype up that feud by then buying her original label, Big Machine. So then he thereby owns all of her six original albums. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. So is Taylor going in and re-recording those to make new masters that she owns? Yeah, good question. So basically, important to note here that Scooter actually sold that record label to somebody else. So he's not directly, he's not, he's not directly involved anymore, but he probably still makes a profit. So a lot of times, even if you're not the rights holder anymore in this, you know, entertainment music world of ours, you'll still probably get a percentage of the profits, Mm -hmm. which is probably why, you know, if we had to guess, although we don't have Taylor on speed dial, not yet anyway, (laughs) but if we did, we'd ask her, and I'm guessing that that's what her problem is with scooter still. 
But to your point, what happens with the original masters? Well, unless she is able to buy them from the new owner, she doesn't own them. And so she had something in her original contract with the record label that basically said that she couldn't re-record until a certain point in time, which was oh. in the, at the end of 2020. Uh-huh. So once that okay. date hit, she was able to go back and re-record. And so that's why she's now doing that. Mm-hmm. And what that does, right, is it can potentially dilute the value in the original six albums so long as new listeners, her fans go and support the new re-records, right? Because there was this whole question of whether that would actually dilute the old stuff or not. She has such a dedicated fan base that she's been, you know, she's big on social media. Hey, everybody, if you want to support me, go listen to my new re-recorded albums. Don't go listen to the old stuff, right? And it's, it's a very smart PR strategy. And so what happens is every time you go on Spotify and you want to listen to one of the tracks that she's re-recorded, she also made a point of making sure it's pretty clear which track is which. Basically like, hey, this is Fearless 2.0, for example, right? Because she already (laughs) re-recorded Fearless, the first album. And so she's saying, if you're going to go listen to it, go listen to Fearless 2.0, essentially, right? And that then means that you know, Scooter, the new owners of of those older, uh, the original records are not going to get the profit. So what I heard you say is that the worldwide pandemic was actually good for one person. Yeah, and literally that was Taylor there. Swift. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's brilliantly said. Her and always Beyonce because yeah. Beyonce literally is always making money. <laughs> so you mentioned another name in there, uh, Kanye, y'all. Oh. A number one. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Believe he got his album out. Uh, we, uh, yeah, uh, I know. Finally, uh, <laughs> isn't he suing over? Didn't he say the label shouldn't have released it? Though? Like, I don't. I have mess. not. Yeah, you're right. I haven't seen that he's suing yet, but I know that he okay. had vocalized some issues with the label because they had basically dropped a version that he hadn't fully approved of. But in fairness, I'm sure like after four false drops, yeah, some intern was probably like, I think he said yes. So press send. <laughs> <laughs> And then it was just too late. And then you've got Kanye at your front door in the middle of the night. Yeah. We, we almost did. He, you know, we're in Atlanta. You guys are in LA. He was like haunting our sports stadium, stadium for <laughs> a few weeks doing <laughs> listening parties. Did you guys go? We did not. No. <laughs> it's shocking to me. You didn't want so, to just sit there for two hours. Are y'all uh, <laughs> placing any bets? How, how likely is it? Do you think the divorce between Kim and Kanye is actually going to go through? I doubt it. I've, I've got like a 10% likelihood of them actually getting divorced. Yeah. I'll, I'll say 11% just to, just to get controversial here. Right. I like to create some waves. I don't, I'm just skeptical of the Kardashian clan and their ability to create the biggest PR stunts. I so can't imagine me, why they've shown themselves <laughs> to be so trustworthy in the, yeah. you know, you know, like even I, I think of the Scott Disick, Courtney Kardashian, Travis Barker, love triangle going right now. And they're saying, Oh God, God isn't talking to them anymore more. They unfollowed each other on social media. And I think that's just such, this is Chris Jenner playbook 1.0. I don't know. Is what this, do you guys think? Is this do you think the, they'll actually get divorced or? Oh, um, at this point I don't, but I did. When they first <laughs> announced it. It's apt to change <laughs> day to day. I just feel like enough time has passed and Kanye's moving into stadiums. I, I don't know. Well, and she's showing up in 
right. her wedding gown to remarry him for performance mm-hmm. art and then or something. They attended yeah. the Met Gala as dementors. So right. I, it's very <laughs> odd. I went to dinner last night too. So, you know, it just, I just feel like there's not enough ego in the world that they can have. And so you really, they've really only got each other to compare to. I agree. Okay, so let's stop feeding into that PR machine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Smart. find another PR machine to feed into. Y'all talk to us about Tom Girardi and Eric. Oh, Jane. man. This is a good one. <laughs> Speaking good of one. ego. Oh, man. Yeah, there's no egos about anybody we're talking about today. Um, no, I'm going to go humble people. I'm going on the legal record <laughs> and saying that I'm comfortable with that. Um, yeah, Erica, Jane and Tom Girardi, where do we start? You know that. OK, so as lawyers, there's a part of us that is very, very upset at him personally. Right. He's not making us look good at all. I don't know if you guys have heard, but lawyers don't always have the most uh, trustworthy <laughs> reputation. So news to us, actually, I'm I'm sure to our listeners too. (laughs) Right. So basically Tom is a very famous California attorney who worked on multiple consumer law cases, right? He was kind of known as the big white knight. He's suing drug companies, car makers, utility companies for just a wide range of negligence or even just overt carelessness. And he was winning like multi-million dollar judgments for multiple victims of like pretty egregious uh, incidences, like plane crash victims, um, people who were burned um, from like gas leak explosions, people who developed cancer from various elements from companies just misbehaving essentially. Right. And so he really built up his name being known as that lawyer. Right. You think Aaron Brockovich, it's that he's the one that inspired that movie, right? He's, he's the Aaron Brockovich lawyer. So they, they based it on him. So, you know, there was some whispers over time that maybe something unsavory was happening, Mm -hmm. but nobody really talked about it. Right. Nicole, because the lawyer, like the legal community is tight knit. I mean, there's a lot of us, but I think the allegations have gone so far as, you know, because he was so big and making so much money, he had other people in his pockets and he had kind of, kept all of these claims at bay. And so people weren't really looking into them, but then, you know, starting last year, basically it was coming out pretty in pretty like rapid fire that he had stolen tens of millions from his clients and that he was like taking loans against future earnings. So basically a Ponzi scheme. And then of course there are the claims that he's giving millions of dollars to, you know, his wife, Erica Girardi's something company. I don't really think that anybody's figured out what the company actually does yet. Pop star yeah. career. Right. She's a very nondescript, <laughs> right. really low-key kind of right. person who doesn't <laughs> modest doesn't, doesn't try to get too much attention for her. She's not really a spotlight person, she's right? Very, she's very uncomfortable in it. You know, she just <laughs> poor thing. She's just cries every time there's a camera I mean, on her. Waterproof mascara. Oh my gosh. Uh, it is did you guys thing. see that scene on yes. Real Housewives? Yes. Oh my. What'd did. you guys, real quick pause, what'd you guys think of that? Did you buy it? No. Okay. No, not, not even a little. Yeah. Bit. So, our follow up question because <laughs> Tom Girardi now is in a, he's in a conservatorship, conservatorship oh, yes. similar to Britney. So, his brother is his conservator. Let's talk about conservatorships and, but, but notably the State Bar of California. Well, he's in the conservatorship because he claims to have Alzheimer's dementia, dementia yeah. which, yeah, my, my father had to like, I'm in no way making light of that. It's just the state bar of California does not believe that he is mentally unsound in the least. He was, 
I realize things can change rapidly mm-hmm. with medical things, but like, come on, that is all the right. timing there is spectacular. If you're a guy who stole hundreds of millions of dollars. Oh, for sure. I mean, everything was perfect timing right down to the divorce because the divorce was, you know, filed by Erica before the claims came out. And then the dementia things start before the cases have really been filed. And so, you know, he, he's, he's no dummy. I don't think she is either. So I think that they kind of timed a lot of these, uh, defenses, should I say, before anything meaty or the investigations actually began. So now he's got all of these, you know, claims, including the fact that his car apparently rolled over four times <laughs> as of the last Beverly Hills episode um, Something yeah. to keep him from like being prosecuted or found guilty. Right. I just uh, no. <laughs> and that seems like a real good place to take a quick break. Let's hear from our sponsors this week. Back on the flip side. Hey, Trash Pandas, when you need a brain break from your day, let me recommend the game June's Journey for Android and iPhone. It's a hidden object mystery game where you are solving a murder, uncovering family secrets, and, I don't know, exposing official corruption? All in an extremely stylish 1920s setting. Every scene takes you deeper into the mystery and introduces you to an expansive cast of characters as June Parker explores the questions surrounding her sister's apparent murder-suicide at the family's beachfront estate. Add your own elements to the island, from lush gardens to gorgeous new buildings. This story has so many twists and turns. Right now, we are on a global journey attempting to rescue June's niece, Virginia. It's a great combo of gameplay. It's a memory puzzle, a design project an intriguing storyline with genuinely fabulous art. When you want to let your mind wander, relax into this glorious 1920s murder mystery and get lost in the fun. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Sibling fights are unavoidable, but what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince William and Prince Harry. They were each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother, but that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wondery's podcast, Dis and Tell, is hosted by comedians Sidney Battle and Matt Belisai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William versus Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle, or was it something that started much earlier? Follow Dis and Tell on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. So yeah. let's, let's, let's dial it back and talk about conservatorships because they've been very much in the news Mm-hmm. Brittany, I think, finally has been freed from yes. hers. But as yeah, entertainment from, from her not, father, not quite, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or in, in her, <laughs> freed from the uh, current captor and maybe hopefully mm-hmm. in better hands, as entertainment lawyers like lay down, what does a conservatorship do? I think Amanda Bynes had one as well. Has one, I believe. 
Yeah. So a conservatorship is basically a process where a court determines whether an adult is capable of making their own decisions or whether they're vulnerable to manipulation, et cetera. And so basically, depending on the court's findings, they'll assign an individual or a conservator or also an organization could be possible to handle some of your affairs and help like care for that adult's life. And so to even get into this conservatorship, somebody has to file a petition with the court to investigate the person of interest life and see if there's a valid reason. And in uh, California specifically, if you're requesting one for medical concerns, a psychiatrist has to testify to that effect. And so typically conservatorships are for older people or people with special needs or it's in, you know, really sensitive situations. And then in California specifically, there's also two types. There's one that covers personal matters and there's one that covers like your estate and your finances. So with Tom at this point, actually with Tom and Brittany, actually, they both have conservatorships that cover everything. So that covers the personal, whether it's like uh, doctor's appointments or visitors for Brittany, et cetera. And then it also covers their estate and their finances. And so, you know, Tom's brother, to your point, is the conservator for him. And so he's running everything from the bankruptcy to the law cases to figuring out attorneys. And he's now put him into an assisted living facility. On the other hand, there was Brittany. So she actually had two conservators at various points in time. It was Jamie and a number of other parties. Right now, you know, Jamie has been pulled out from the finance side of things, but she's still got this woman, Jody Montgomery, who's running her personal side. So it can get really complicated. But long story short, it's really supposed to protect people who are, you know, maybe incapable of protecting themselves. But to Alexa's point, you know, and you guys' point, this has been a super hot topic item right now because they're super controversial, right? Like they've got a super high risk for abuse, which, you know, we've seen allegations up with Brittany. There's very little monitoring from the court once it's put in place. You know, conservators receive salary from the person that they're supposed to be protecting, which can be a conflict of interest. And then last but not least, they're really easy to get into, but hard to get out of. And you basically have to file another petition with the court and have somebody go back and do an evaluation or investigation to get taken out of the arrangement, which has a really low success rate. And we've obviously seen that over time with Brittany, right? Like she's been in this for what, 13 years now. And we're just kind of seeing some movement with her possibly getting out of the arrangement. So is there some cutout in like a, an exception in California law that just makes it even easier to apply it to young female pop stars, (laughs) actresses? Like it does, it seems like there's a preferential targeting that happens within the entertainment industry to keep young women in line. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. not aware of any like young male stars who've been <laughs> yanked into a conservatorship and then fought to get out. Right. You're not wrong about that. Um, you know, California is known for being pretty liberal as a whole, but uh, they definitely don't have that on the books. But I think that this <laughs> is where, you know, in our podcast, we always will talk about the law, but even more importantly, we always talk about like the morality of the law, right? Because there's this assumption that the law is always going to be just and that (laughs) (laughs) sorry, let's everybody just laugh. (laughs) No, that was good that in practicing for my standup, I'm glad that that joke ended. Um, (laughs) No, but a lot of people think that, right? You're raised. I think we as a society are socialized to trust the laws because we assume that people have our best interest in mind when those laws are created. And unfortunately, that's not always the case. Um, it's I, you know, I don't want to get political, but I, I tend to think that it's the people who have the most to gain and the least to lose that are shaping these laws and putting them into effect. So to your point, 
I think that unfortunately for in particular Britney's case, she was coming up in front of the media. She had all eyes on her and she was a young woman who basically fell prey to tabloids and paparazzis and basically just sexism, um, you know, and misogyny um, and people attacking her because she was slut shamed right after the Justin Timberlake mm -hmm. uh, breakup. You know, he comes out with the Crimea River music video and people assume Britney cheated on him. And so they're there starts all the media speculation about how terrible Britney is and it continues and continues. You know, I know you both covered an episode on Britney and you talk about it too and how the paparazzi were attacking her and the tabloids are going after her. And it was true. And I think this is my personal opinion, but I do think that that was used against her and there's nothing in the law that says anything to that effect. But I think they go, oh, there's a woman who's upset that she might be losing custody of her kids. And there's a woman who is trying to regain control of her life when she's been controlled by other people her entire life. We can't have this. So let's put her into a conservatorship. And think about it like societally too, right? We rarely see such heavy coverage of, you know, male stars having these like spin outs or fallouts from grace. That's and obviously exactly like right. everybody is susceptible to mental health, you know, concerns. And we never intend to make light of that or joke about that. But we've seen those things occur and people like Aaron Carter, who was in that same, you know, genre of people or even Kanye in recent days. And mm -hmm. the attention is just so much heavier when women have it. And so they are often in these situations where I think like Amanda Bynes and Britney Spears and even there was jokes about Jessica Simpson, Lindsay Lohan, you know, in Lindsay needing mm -hmm. that like male guidance, let's call it, because they're always male conservators who are right. over their estates and telling them controlling their bodies and their lives, frankly. Mm hmm. It's, so it's like it's the dream of for a lot of men, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I want to back up for just one second because y'all started that out with one of the main risks of that. And you mentioned how conservatorships are conservatorships, words are hard, are <laughs> easy, <laughs> are easy to abuse. Mm -hmm. As attorneys, what does that mean? I explain to me. What kind of abuse? Because it does seem like Britney's dad was doing something shady with their books. So I'm assuming part of that is financial. Yeah. I mean, so, the, you know, the Britney thing is complicated, right? Like this week we've now before his dad, her dad, sorry, got pulled away from or suspended from managing the financial part. If you remember a month ago or around a month ago, he had basically filed to terminate the entire conservatorship, which would mean that Britney is completely free. There's no Jody. There's no Jamie. She can make all her own decisions. And I said it to say the allegations or the thought process behind him filing that first is that that would shield him from having to provide documentation, oh. basically describing what he had been doing as a conservator for the past 13 years. And I think ultimately that's because he may have been doing some really shady shit and the, he was abusing that system, whether it was putting surveillance in her bedroom, which is a new allegation, monitoring her phone and her text messages, you know, the whole what her claim recently in court that or I guess earlier this year that he had forced her to have an IUD put in. And so those are the kind of things that like there's again, there's little monitoring from the court, but high risk of these people to overstep boundaries and do things that are really maybe not necessary to protect these people from whatever the court has found to be a concern in their lives. Right. And I, I would just add too, on top of what Nicole is saying is that you think about 
who the court places as the conservator of the conservatee, right? The person that needs to be cared for. It's oftentimes a family member. And that family member is going to receive a salary from the conservatee. I think the thought is, hey, put a family member in charge because, you know, then we can have more trust. And unfortunately, oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. that's not the case, right? We see it here. Yeah. Possibly, you know, we always say alleged because we don't know those court documents were actually sealed for the longest time. And it's only recently that they have become public knowledge, right? And now we have even more people focusing on this. So there's more fact finding coming into play. And what Nicole said is very important. And this is the thing that we are going to be looking at in the coming days. But it's important to note that, like she said, the reason why her personal lawyer is saying, no, don't terminate the trust yet is because they've now replaced Jamie with a new conservator over her finances who will step into the shoes of conservator. And that means that he will now have attorney client privilege with Jamie's attorneys because Jamie, right? Attorney client privilege means it, you know, we are lawyers. So when we talk to our clients and we say attorney client privilege, tell me what's going on. Anything that they tell us cannot be used against them, right? The court doesn't have a right to come in and ask us what was said, because that is the trust that we have as their attorney. And so if this trust was terminated, then all of that would go away. But now with this new conservator coming in, he gets to, he has the right to come in and talk to Jamie's, not Jamie's, but the conservator's lawyers who Jamie was talking to and go, let me see all those emails from the last 13 Mm -hmm. years. Right. And that's really important. And reviewing contracts that Jamie basically signed on Britney's mm-hmm. behalf. And, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think as an, you know, let's be equal opportunity, right? It's not just Britney who's at a high risk for abuse. Even Tom Girardi is like, we don't, I'm not, I don't think, listen, I don't think the situation is kosher. And I have a lot of questions about what he did with that money. But at the end of the day, until he's proven guilty, right, he's supposed to be deemed innocent. And so there's a high risk for abuse in conservatorships like that because he's an elderly person. And mm-hmm. so we don't know if he does have dementia, right? People could be taking money from him, whatever money he does have, or taking things from his house or abusing him physically. And so, again, it's all because there's like little monitoring. And so any, anybody in this arrangement could be abused in some way, whether it's financially, physically, et cetera. Yeah. And this is why we like forensic accounting. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if you just shake out the couches at the Girardi house, you're set for life if you're a normie. I mean. <laughs> so let me ask y'all, which legal battles should we have our eye on as trash pandas mm. that may intersect Ooh. with divorce these days? Besides divorce. the ones that we've talked about. Oh, and yeah. should Brittany get a prenup? hundred percent, right? Oh yes. hundred percent. We'll take your advice. Yeah. You guys are lawyers. You might as well be on that one. At this point, you guys are divorced lawyers. So you have just as much as us on prenups. Definitely not lawyers, but yeah, I hope that, uh, I hope that the conservatorship does not end before they, I hope they require Brittany to have a prenup that protects Sam's shoe collection. And Jeep collection too. Okay. All right. So what else should we have our eye on? Yeah, good question. I'm, 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 we're looking over our season two uh, schedule and I'm trying to find some messy divorces. I've got one. I've got a really good one. So Dr. Dre and -hmm. his wife are currently in. Yes. And so it's obviously not done. They're still, I shouldn't have such glee when I say that, but (laughs) 
is where the trashy and judgy, we just work well. Yeah. Know? We had, hey, we wish the best for them. But until then, we can talk about it. <laughs> so I would just exploit your, yeah. your life issues. But obviously that's happening, right? And the re- most recent allegation came out this week, I guess, that he's officially filed a claim over her possibly embezzling $350,000 from his business account or something. So this is definitely like bound to be messy. And we will absolutely be turning <laughs> to you guys for all of the juicy background and tea and everything between. I'm just chuckling. It's so good. Stacy has <laughs> written a note. Yeah, she's <laughs> fantastic. I think we're going to have to keep in touch. Uh-huh. <laughs> Holy cats. We can't tell you how much we love you guys. Appreciate what you're doing. Thanks for helping us round out our legal questions. I got one more hypothetical before we wrap it up. Yes. Can't wait. It's like law school. Yeah. <laughs> keep us on our toes. Yeah. <laughs> so hypothetically, Okay. Say that I don't know. I'm perhaps Stevie Nicks, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have an ex-boyfriend, Lindsey Buckingham, who six decades later can't seem to let me go. Does California <laughs> law provide any kind of recourse in this like alleged potential situation? You know, interestingly, so I had to, I I will say I had to uh, really kind of dig in the banks of my head as I'm sitting here. It's, if I understand the situation correctly, right, he's basically alleging that she like got him fired from Fleetwood Mac. Is that right? Uh, Yes, but all of that has been handled. It's done legally. She's like, dude, you got yourself fired. (laughs) He can't seem to stop talking i'm not sure who's Generally. doing PR a man who can't him. stop talking yeah he's talking. <laughs> no kill surprise uh no he just keeps talking about how she's still into him and never oh, got over that's it that's awkward uh-huh. no it's terrible and that's he's really trying awkward. to patch it up with his wife who wants to divorce him and he's on this national press junket like she never got over me where yeah. to where Stevie and the Fleetwood Mac manager have both come out like we don't normally talk about this, but Lindsay, put on your pants, man. Like <laughs> this isn't a thing, right? I get don't over know. It. Get over if it. If I were her, I would really be talking to my attorneys. I just we gag were, order, man. We were gag hoping order. that perhaps with the new billionaire space race, there was some provision in California law that would allow Lindsay Buckingham to be shot into the sun. Go to the moon. <laughs> I mean, look, we we have a fun segment where we, you know, we we think about it where we're like, what are laws that don't exist but should exist? And I think this is where all four of us need to get together and create some new policy. Heck yeah. Um, because I completely agree with this. You know, um, maybe, maybe she has to go restraining order, you know, like you guys said, gag. Like, just just give up, man. It's just sad. I like, mean, if she for wants, your own pride. If she wants to call us personally, we can talk about possible yes. defamation claims. <laughs> yes, Stevie, hit us up. Well, Elon <laughs> Musk had a hard time this week as well. He is in the process... He and Grimes are getting divorced again. Yep. Mm-hmm. Huge. Up or Spoilers. Right. And, uh, he, his statement this week was like, yeah, we're seeing less of each other. We're trying to work it out. And she's like, I have a kid now and I can't wait to divorce this ass. So I love that. <laughs> love that it's for a, her. She said little bit of conflict there. Like when one person of that romantic relationship doesn't get it after six months or six decades, I recommend we put a law on the books. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, I would say six seconds, but you know, 60 years can do that. 
That's fine. I tend to be a little bit harsh in my punishments sometimes, um, especially when I would say like they're being a fuck boys is the term of art, I think. So <laughs> that's definitely at Webster's this year. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be in the new California code. Watch out for it. Hot off the presses. I feel a trashily judgy bill of rights coming on. <laughs> that's so yeah. good. That's so good. The next collab. I love it. Yes. Oh my God. We'll, we'll have like our 10 commandments. It'll be great. Hey y'all. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. This has been awesome and really informative for me. I know Stacy, you as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I am loving your show. I'm so glad to have come across it and you guys are great. Uh, and I think that I think our trash pandas will also thoroughly enjoy legally judgy. Yeah. Trash pandas check out legally judgy with Alexa and Nicole to get all of the legal stuff behind the scenes. Cause these friends know what they're talking about. Oh, and there's so much like housewives trash and stuff that's not <laughs> divorce related that they can get into and we can't. Yeah. So. If you need a little extra trash candy goodness, we recommend legally mm-hmm. judgy. Yeah. You can be a trash panda out. and a judgy. We'll take it all between the, between the four of us. You, you guys are going to be holistic, ready to tackle the world every day. <laughs> I like the judgy trash pandas the best. Yes. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> now that's an army. <laughs> you're, you're not kidding. Again, thanks for spending some time with us today. Y'all are amazing. Thank you so much for having us. This was absolutely the the most fun way to spend the day. And, you know, we're so glad to work with you guys and can't wait to meet some of your fans. Congrats on your upcoming season two. Mm -hmm. And until we meet again, friends, keep your hands clean, keep your hearts trashy and judgy. Oh, totally judgy too. (laughs) Bye y'all. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at carbonmade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram and definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at trashydivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at trashydivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at patreon.com slash trashydivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear. Want to advertise with us? Reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information. And last but not least, come play with us on social media. I keep most of our Trashy Divorces Instagram hopping. Stacy and I share it up over on Facebook, including our Trashy Divorces podcast discussion group. Come join us over there and thanks again everybody for listening. Keep it trashy, y'all.